Welcome to day 155 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. We continue in a very important transitional phase in the life of Israel as they transition from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. Their first king is everything uh, that people might want in a king. He was a king like other nations. Uh, but as far as his heart for God, he has disobeyed God and walked away from God and in desperation is holding on to the kingdom. And of course, he has a a young rival who everything he does is blessed by God, who ultimately will be called a king after God's own heart. And uh, so the tension continues uh, to rise between the two. So we pick up in First Samuel chapter uh, 19, a really strange chapter. Uh, Saul, whom God has withdrawn his spirit from, is overcome by the spirit and uh, prophesies in a very strange fashion. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that cliffhanger, uh, let's pause. <laughs> And uh, offer ourselves in this moment uh, to the Lord. Matt, you mind lifting us up? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for your word. Um, that you are a God who has revealed yourself to us and spoken to us. Um, Father, we, we ask as we um, see your heart in the pages of Scripture, we see um, all of who you are, that, Father, it would transform us, that it would um, produce in us much fruit. Um, God, that you would use your word to transform us. We ask um, that by your spirit, spirit, would you come and and do a a great work in us. Um, We thank you for this time together as your body. Father, we thank you that you you go before us, um, but but at this very moment, you're also present with us. And so, Father, give us ears to to hear and eyes to see um, that we may behold wonderful things in your word. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. And by the way, I'm Paul Kemp, and that was Matt Kresge. Matt Kresge's here with his friend Katie Kresge, and uh, we also have David Keefe uh, with us as well. First Samuel uh, chapter 19. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David, but Jonathan hadn't taken a great liking to David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I'll go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you, what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life into his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Once more, war war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them down with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, If you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said he is ill. And Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, "Bring Bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. When the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Michal, Why do you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped? Michal told him, 
He said to me, let me get away, why should I kill you? When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then uh, he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is at Naoth and Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of the Lord came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it. He sent some more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left Ramah and went to the great cistern at Seku, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? Over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came on even him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all day and all night. This is why people say, as Saul also among the prophets. Uh, so the intrigue sharpens. And uh, there's some incredible ironies with uh, uh, the way that the Lord acts on behalf of David and on behalf of Saul and neutralizes uh, all the men you know, that Saul would uh, send into his presence. They're overcome by the Spirit, and they, they prophesy. And, of course, what we have in mind here is a, the ecstatic speech in which they're completely overcome by the Spirit of the Lord. And prophesying, uh, they're evidently, even though in many ways they're enemies of the Lord, they're announcing... And as you would see later in the book of Acts, the great wonders of the Lord and proclaiming his praises, even though it's kind of contrary to what we see you know, happening in the text. Mm-hmm. You have the contrast between the evil spirit sent by the Lord, uh, who is dominating you know, Saul at this point, and being overcome with the spirit and such the Lord that it uh, neutralizes him, and his response is rather strange, one we don't uh, recommend most people do in public. Uh, as far as that yeah. goes, what are some of the things that stand out in this passage uh, as we as we read through it? And of course, we remember you know Michal or Michael, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, you know Saul's daughter who was uh, you know given to David, yeah. and so you see both you know Jonathan, uh, his son, and Michal, his daughter, acting on behalf of David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in Jonathan, you do see, and it's just a small little glimpse, but you know, someone trying to mediate two parties who are opposed to each other. You know, he's trying to come in and, and bridge the gap, and doesn't always go that well in this setting, but, you know, just a nice little touch to Christ who one day would come and try to bridge the gap between two parties at odds. Um, just kind of seeing a little bit of Jesus there. Yeah, Yeah. before we turned on the microphones, Katie said, that's a really weird chapter, David. Where are we going to see Christ in it? <laughs> and, and, of course, that uh, you do see him. Uh, you know, uh, later we'll read in the in the book of Job, where Job said, "If only there was someone that could stand between us, put their hand on him and their hand on me, and bring the two of us together." Mm-hmm. And of course, that is ultimately a picture, you know, of Christ. And more than that, you know, in Jonathan, you see, uh, you see the righteousness, uh, you know, of his of his judgment, the righteousness of his ways. You see, you know, he's the one who really has the most to lose. Here, the kingdom will be taken from his hands. But he understands and honors what God is doing in the moment in, in a pretty dramatic way. Yeah. He's such a faithful friend. You know, we're going to see that as we kind of encounter David and Jonathan's friendship. You know, that Jonathan proves time and time again to be a faithful friend to David. And then, and you know, when Jonathan dies, David is continues to be a faithful friend and taking care of Jonathan's son. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, to me, one of the things that really strikes me in this passage is just how... Um, how far our sin will take us in, in irrational ways. And you see mm-hmm. that Saul says, okay, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. I mean, 
That's an oath by the Lord's name. You know, surely as he lives, how long does the Lord live? Lives forever. You know, we won't put David to death. And then just a few verses later, we're talking about Saul wanting to put David to death. And, and just that irrational, you know, the irrational nature um, that sin produces in us, that we begin to justify our sin. Um, mm-hmm. And I bet in this moment, Saul would have all the justification in the world as to why he's acting the way he's doing it. And, you know, for us, as we're reading it, we look at it and say, look at how far his sin has taken him. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, of course, we're warned about that in the New Testament. Uh, warned about harboring anger, you know, unrighteous way and giving the enemy a foothold. And, of course, we're also warned about, you know, letting a bitter root, you know, rise up among us, you know, as believers. So the longer we linger in sin and the further we allow it to separate us from God, the more vulnerable to temptation and sin we become. And, and, and of course, you, you see a pattern, you know, with us. We're making rash vows before God that, you know, mm-hmm. are impossible for us to keep in our own power without walking with him and, and, and depending on him. And, and a lot of times I, uh, we have a series of, you know, making brand new commitments at last. In a, in, in a flight of time for you know a brief few seconds when we find ourselves falling back into old patterns, mm-hmm. and, and of course these are uh, these are the moments when we place confidence in our ability to be and do the things that God has called us to be and do when that is in and of itself a gift of His Spirit working in mm-hmm. and, and through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I this like like Paul just said a minute ago this chapter is just kind of confusing and there's so many strange details that are happening. But, um, I think one thing that stands out to me is what Matt has already brought up a little bit is just, um, that Saul's sin has just really, um, led him to do some very strange things. But also I think it's important. It's interesting to see how his sin has pushed the people that should love and support him the most away. And I mean, Jonathan's doing everything he can to kind of keep the peace, but his own children are are siding with David in a lot of ways and um, and protecting David. And um, that's really, you know, it's, it's sad to see that, but it's also sobering to see just how our sin can affect the relationships around us and um, and push those who love us the most away over time. And, of course, not that it's meaningful in any way, um, but this is the second time we've seen uh, goat hair uh, passed off for human hair. That's true. Um, in the uh, blessing in, of in uh, deceit, Jacob. I've never put right? the two together o- over personally. Esau. No, I know. You, you have to really go deep into Scripture to get there, David. No, How accessible no, I mean, was the goat being hair? fooled by goat hair thinking it's human hair. But here is, here is, the, you know, here is, you know, here is something that is odd in this passage. Uh, what is an idol doing in David's house? Exactly, mm-hmm. I, that was another. You know that he can quickly, you know, quickly grab it and uh, mm-hmm. evidently a David-sized idol. You know that would pass off for a sleeping David as long as you had good hair on top of it. You know to, I guess that to. That's <laughs> a big idol, David. That yeah, it it is. Yeah. And so you see here, e- even in the house of David or the house of Saul, uh, you know, a house that he's giving him or in his daughters, you see kind of the syncretism that is going on. Uh, how the nation itself is not, you know, fully devoted to the one true God, and mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, whether it's a relic of war, or whether it's, you know, just some you know, little cute thing, or whether it's something, you know, that uh, Mikael and Saul and their family are taking seriously as they're looking desperately for blessing outside of, of God. You have even in the house of David an idol of God, and that's going to be a pattern all the way through the story of Israel. 
that these idols keep cropping up and we find mm-hmm. them in the most unlikely places until we even find them in the temple itself, mm-hmm. uh, which hasn't even been created at this point. So. <laughs> We're getting there. It It is amazing to me too, even as it's just processing this chapter and you know, how, how even Saul's sin is causing him to redefine events or to misinterpret. You know, Jonathan's like, hey, the Lord won a great victory for Israel, but Saul can't get past the reality that the people are still praising David. You know, he, he, he just, he, he can't see the hand of God in any of this. And in fact, where he finds himself is he doesn't find himself siding with God and, you know, upholding the law of God. He actually finds himself at, at odds with God and opposing the the, God, yeah. you know, the king that God has anointed. And, and of course, his mistake was from the beginning, you know, whenever you know, Samuel said to him, God has ripped the kingdom from you and, and given it to one better than you. You know, at that point, the only thing Saul should have been concerned about is restoring his relationship with God and, and moving forward in repentance. But rather than moving forward in repentance, he simply wants to preserve his image. He says, you know, to Samuel, could you not come back and worship with me just in front of the elders? You know, so that they think everything is all right and everything on the outside looks all right. And, of course, that's a big temptation for us is to have every appearance of being godly but inside to harbor, you know, these deep thoughts. And those are are dangerous to our first and foremost, to our walk with God, but they'll eventually affect every relationship we have and affect everything we are and everything we do. Uh, Sin is not something you can play with without it becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, metastasizing. And James talks about, you know, none of us should say that whenever we sin that God is tempting us, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt uh, anyone. But each one of us are carried away, you know, by our evil desires, desires that are set on ourselves and, and not on God, not necessarily desires that, you know, have this all kind of wicked bent to them, you know, or what we would call wickedness. Uh, but the desires that have been on ourselves and not God, each one is carried away and enticed. And he says sin, when it, when it grows up, Mm-hmm. And sin will grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, sin, when it grows up, leads to leads to death. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're certainly seeing that you know, here in the life life of Saul. Mm-hmm. So we had Matt Kresge open us in prayer. Uh, Katie Kresge, why don't you close us? Absolutely, <clears throat> Father. Thank you for um, just this time in your Word together, as your people, as your children, um, as people who've been brought from darkness into your marvelous light. Um, and I pray, God, that you would um, graciously show us our own sin um, so that we don't walk in it, so that we don't grow comfortable with it, and so that it doesn't grow up um, and, and turn into um, malicious acts, um, things that, that push the people around us away um, and that misrepresent who you are, Jesus. But God, would you show us our sin? Would we repent and uh, and confess these to you and, and walk in the grace that you've um, offered us in Christ Jesus? And um, would we celebrate who you are, um, what you've done for us? And God, would we be people who um, who are ambassadors for Jesus in this in this broken and hurting world um, for your glory? Um, would you be with us today as we go and do all the things that um, this day holds for us? Um, and would you show us that your presence, um, that you're with us? And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.